you have to track all everything you eat and weigh yourself daily, but yet they're calling themselves not a diet, right? As a society, we certainly are getting more aware of the fact that diets just don't work for long-term weight loss or happiness or health. But as we get more aware, diet culture is also getting more aware and shifting their messaging to manipulate what we believe a diet is. Today, Krista and I are speaking about what diets and diet tools actually are and how to stop turning back to diets and food rules to be able to make space for intuitive eating and a peaceful relationship with food. You're listening to the Food and Life Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Emma Townsend, a UK registered dietitian and a certified intuitive eating counsellor. I support you to move away from lifelong dieting and feeling stressed with food so you can develop a positive relationship with food and connection with your body. And just a reminder that we are all unique. So please use this as an opportunity to learn and explore. But if something does not sit with you, then it's not meant for your unique self. And if you have any health concerns, please seek personalized support from a registered healthcare provider. Today's guest is Krista Beck. The Krista is a registered dietitian, a certified intuitive eating counselor, and dieter turned intuitive eater. After struggling with her own disordered eating, Krista has made it her mission to expose diet culture for what it really is and help as many women as possible ditch the diets for good and mend their relationship with food and their bodies. So let's jump into today's episode. So I'm joined today by Krista. Krista, a huge welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And I'm really looking forward to diving into our conversation today, which is on how to reject the diet mentality. But before we get started, I'd really love to learn more about you and just how you came to work as an intuitive eating counselor. For sure. Yeah. So my name is Krista. I am a registered dietitian and a certified intuitive eating counselor, and I'm from Manitoba, Canada. So I guess prior to becoming a registered dietitian, I was actually a dieter myself. And then as I was going through school to become a dietitian, I was introduced uh, by a friend to the concept of intuitive eating. So that's when I really started adopting intuitive eating. Um, following my education, I actually was working solely as a clinical dietitian, but then I soon realized that my passion was helping people overcome the same struggles I overcame with dieting and disordered eating. So that's why I started my business, Dietitian Krista. Um, and prior, I guess, in the mid the beginning of starting that. And after I became a registered dietitian, I did my certification for to become an intuitive eating counselor. And so my goal in my business has always been the same to help people overcome diet culture, help them stop dieting and just help them mend their relationships with uh, their body and with food. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. And so it's really nice to hear that you were introduced to intuitive eating during your studies as well. I think um, I'm not sure if it's changing now. I really hope so. But I hear from so many people who were kind of stuck in that that diet mentality or unhappy with their body, feeling stressed around food and choosing to study a nutrition degree with this idea that it will help them to eat perfectly or to you know fix mm-hmm. their, their relationship with food or the stress that they've got. And so often the, the nutrition degrees can worsen that. Uh, because sure. they, they are very weight centric. They're focused just on the nutrition, not on actually the, the role that food plays. 
Um, exactly. And, and that's why I um, got into it too, was because I wanted to, you know, learn how to eat super healthy and make myself thinner and then help other people do that. So that was the exact reason I got into it. And you are right, like, school is pretty, pretty weight centered in that way. So I was just fortunate, I guess, to be introduced to intuitive eating outside of school. Yeah. Oh, that's so nice. And I'm so glad that those, or I guess the intuitive eating and non-diet approaches are getting more, more common, um, more normalized now. So there's more opportunity to, to also hear about them and have that perspective as well. For sure. And I do remember even in my education, like we did have one single presentation on like haze health at every size, but I think that was about the most of it I got from school. <laughs> I remember exactly the same, actually having this one lecture and just our, our class in general, really kind of debating it and having a lot of views on there. And it makes sense when our whole, the rest of our course was very weight centric. Yeah, ex exactly. Yeah. So we're going to talk about um, rejecting the diet mentality. So moving away from, from dieting and uh, to making peace with food, which in the intuitive eating framework is that number one principle and sure. rejecting the diet mentality isn't just about kind of stopping dieting. It's also about just rejecting um, the diet culture that we live in and the idealized way that we view bodies and that morality that we have. Um, and just the oppression this causes people as well. And I do feel as a society, we're certainly getting more aware of the fact that say diets don't work and um, especially for things like long-term weight loss, but also for like our happiness and our health in general. But then as we get more aware, diet culture also gets more aware. So we mm -hmm. see these diets shifting their messaging, trying to manipulate what we believe a diet is. So yeah. I would love, Krista, if you could just talk through what we kind of mean by rejecting the diet mentality and how do we spot these, what I like to call like a not a diet diets. Yeah. So in terms of spotting the not a diet diets, because like, I feel like, like you said, more companies are becoming more aware, like especially companies like Noom and Weight Watchers and um, you know, they, they, those companies, they say there's a reason diets don't work. And we've designed this because this works. And then you go on, like, I think it was Noom site. I was just looking on and it's like, you have to track all everything you eat and weigh yourself daily, but yet they're calling themselves not a diet. Right. But yeah, essentially there's so many different diets, uh, whether they're like, obviously diets or not, but all of these diets have very similar components. So basically they both involve the goal is weight loss and there's some level of restriction, right? So in keto, you're restricting carbs, um, intermittent fasting, you are restricting when you're able to eat. Whereas with things like Weight Watchers and Noom, it's like you're restricting those high point foods or those foods that are labeled red, right? Whenever a person mm -hmm. is trying to lose weight, there is some level of restriction and that's kind of what's making it a diet. Yeah. The restriction can be quite sneaky as well, can't it? So they can say, oh, you're not restricting anything. You're allowed to eat whatever you want. But when you jump into it, it's but. <laughs> There's always a but. So but only in this portion size, but only this many times a week maybe. Yeah, only this many points. And if you go above, well, you're not doing too good then. Yeah, nothing's restricted, but you can only eat to this amount of points. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Definitely. And we know that that diets don't work. I guess the most people when they're dieting, uh, it might be for something like weight loss. We know that long-term that doesn't work. We've got the research on that. We also know it doesn't work for things like just improving our health, um, how we feel about ourselves. 
what's actually happening maybe in our minds, um, in, in our body and um, how can dieting impact that? What's going on in our body or even like our relationships with other people? Yeah, like in our mind, I feel like, well, when you're trying, our bodies don't like to be restricted, right? At like the psychological and biological level. So yeah. when you are restricting, like in your mind, I guess you, you think about that food so much more and it creates this food obsession. So say you're on a diet and you're not allowed to have sweets or whatever it is. And like your, your mom or someone brings you over a container of homemade cookies and you're, you're telling yourself you can't eat them. You're not going to stop thinking about those cookies, right? Until you finally give in to them and eat them. And then usually when you finally give in, what happens is there's like, after restricting, there's this increased reward response in the brain, right? And it makes the food taste like that much better. And so it makes you continue to eat and eat and eat. And it actually drives that overeating. Yeah, definitely. And we see this happen, even if we're, I guess, maybe not restricting as in we're still having the food, but we're mentally restricting as in, I shouldn't have it. I shouldn't have it. I shouldn't have it. Oh, look, I've had it. How can I be restricting? Because I keep eating. Maybe it feels like a lot of it every week. There's still that mental restriction there though. Yeah, for sure. And then in terms of, I guess, like in the body and like the physical restriction, what happens is, so say you're a person that requires like 2,500 calories a day, but you're only allowing yourself 1800 calories a day. Like, yes, you're going to lose weight initially. It probably will happen, but you get to this point where this weight loss plateaus because your body gets, it knows it's never getting enough. So it slows the metabolism down to really hold on so tightly to any energy it is getting. Um, and then eventually, right. You, you can only eat so little, right. You can keep going down and down, maybe losing a bit less, bit more weight, but you can only reduce your calories so much and your metabolism just continues to adapt. And then when you start to eat normally again, your metabolism doesn't just adapt right away. So instead that's when that weight gain comes back, right? Now your metabolism has lowered, you're eating more again, you're going to gain that weight back after dieting. Yeah. And I think we hear a lot about like metabolism and those diets, you know, how to boost your metabolism and, and all of these things, which I mean, to boost our metabolism, we need to be eating enough, but it's also what, what happens, what the impact of that is on our body. It's not just, oh, your metabolism's boosted is what our body has to give up to, with that decrease in metabolism, the decrease of energy. So there's all of these processes going on inside our body and it has to choose what's not so important to provide energy to right now. And often that's things like our, our brain and our, our thoughts, uh, the amount of headspace that we have for, for other areas of our life that don't involve kind of seeking food. Yeah. And that's the other thing, like our brains need carbs, like on average, our brains need our brains alone need like 120 to 130 grams of carbs, right? Never mind our bodies. So when you're not giving your brain the energy it needs, like you're going to have, obviously you're not functioning optimally, optimally, right? And you're going to be, you're not going to be able to focus on any simple task at hand because your brain's just not getting the energy it needs. Yeah, definitely. And like the other thing too, like with, with that, with that weight loss and stuff that happens is a lot of people think, oh, I'm losing, I'm losing weight. That's great. But it's you're losing a lot of muscle too. And the scary thing is it's not like you're just losing muscle off your biceps or your quads. Like you could be losing muscle off of vital organs and that's not what's mm -hmm. going to come back yeah. when the weight comes back. Yeah. Yeah. And we can get stuck in this. Well, when I was 
on this diet, I lost, you know, X amount of weight. If that's something that happened, and then when I stopped the diet, I put it back on, which is something that we commonly do see from dieting. And we can get into this blame cycle. Well, it's obviously my fault. I, this false proof that we need the diet to be able to kind of be quote unquote right, or to be able to, to lose weight. But actually that's just the way our body responds to dieting and that regain after a diet, if that's what's happened, is still a part of the diet. That's that's our body adjusting and adapting and the survival instincts or the survival mechanisms that our body has when there's a shortage of food. For sure. Like it, it's not an issue of willpower. It's the diet was never sustainable, it was never realistic. And like to think it's an issue of willpower, just think of people who are like very wildly successful. Like there's celebrities who have made, who have become very successful, who have all of the resources, all of the money to pay for dietitians, yeah. personal trainers, you know, everything. And they're not all thin. Like there's a reason it's not, it's not willpower at all. It's our bodies literally working. <laughs> they yeah. see a threat and they're working against this threat. Yep. And to keep our body in a place that is lower than where it's naturally sitting, wherever that is at that time of, of life and with the resources we have available to keep our body nat- where, where, oh, sorry, lower than where it naturally wants to sit at that time, we're going to have to, to use, I guess, disordered eating tools. So we're going to have to use something that's external from our body. So that is rules around food and be fighting against our body because our body's fighting to be somewhere else. And that's just never going to feel good. Exactly. Yeah. If you're, if you're trying to maintain a weight below what your like set weight is. Yeah. yeah, Like you said that you're, you're really missing out on a lot of things in life. And also a lot of people just can't do that anyway, physically. Right. But those who can, who have managed partially the time, the reason is because they're kind of closer to that weight already, their natural set point weight, or because they're engaging in those super restrictive behaviors and missing out on so many things. Yeah. Yep. What is it about say dieting when we imagine that we have been following all these diets and we're just maybe going up and down. They're not really working. They're not feeling good. What is it that keeps someone maybe going back to following these food rules or back to dieting, even though they haven't worked in the, in the past? I think it's because they think they do blame themselves and they do think it's an issue of willpower or they think maybe this diet didn't work for them and that the next will. So they keep going back. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think even people who like find intuitive eating and kind of want to start it, it makes it really hard if they start gaining weight right away. Right. And they know they can lose weight because they've done it. They just think they need to work harder to keep it off. So they keep going back to that, hoping it's going to be different every time. And obviously yeah. there's just so many societal pressures, right? To look a certain way, um, even getting compliments when people lose weight, right? When, when people lose weight and they get compliments, they really like these compliments. Um, but as soon as they start gaining the weight back, they're not receiving these compliments anymore about their body, right? And they feel like failures and like they need to try again to get back to that place where they were feeling validated and loved and whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. The marketing we see of diets as well is, is very good, very clever in that sense, in that they do, without actively saying it in the direct way, they do make us feel and, and tell us that it's our fault, so that they worked and it's our mm. fault that they didn't. And also making us sort of feel why 
we want to lose weight. So, I mean, they usually like, it's not about the, the weight loss. It's about that you'll be more accepted and you'll feel more worthy and valued and, and all of these things that, yeah, we probably will get if we're able to, to change our body weight, because that's the society that we live in. But what are we also kind of giving up to get there? Giving up to get there. And then it likely backfiring like it does. Right. So, yeah. And I mean, I think it also makes it hard too, when so many medical professionals, especially doctors and stuff are still pushing this weight loss. Right. So when you're hearing Mm -hmm. it from someone you should trust with your health and whatever your medical conditions, whatever it is, if you're going into your doctor and they're telling you to lose weight, you're, you're, you're trusting that advice. Right. Yeah. And we know that the training for healthcare providers in general is very weight centric, Mm -hmm. uh, often the advice that say a doctor or another health provider will give to someone in a larger body for the exact same condition will be different to what we would get for a smaller body person as well. Exactly. And that's why I always say like, you know, if you're, if you go in for some condition and your doctor immediately goes to weight loss, ask them, well, what advice would you give to someone with the same condition in a smaller body? Yeah. One to stump them for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, so for someone who has been maybe relying on diets or even if it's not, um, what we call a diet, these food rules, so food rules that are outside of our our own body to guide their eating and maybe even guide their self-care. What are some of the challenges to stopping dieting or stopping, um, eating with these rules? Yeah, I think so. First of all, just the fact of continuously wanting to that weight loss, but also not really knowing how to eat once you're off a diet, because uh, another thing in terms of the body, the way diets affect your body is they really disconnect you from your body cues. So when you're no longer following food rules, you're no longer counting your calories or whatever it is. You can't trust yourself to know when to eat. And I think people are constantly concerned that they're going to like eat too much. And so there's always still that level of restriction that's in their head, whether or not they're telling themselves they have food rules or not, it's probably going to be there for quite a long time before it goes away. Cause it does require like a huge mindset shift, right? Like from listening to all these diet culture things you see on the internet to now being able to trust your body. Yeah. Yeah. And we hear, I think in, especially intuitive eating councils or people working in non-diet approaches and intuitive eating will often say like, this is how eating can feel when you stop dieting. But when someone's in this diet mindset or this place where they've been dieting for a long time, stopping dieting doesn't get you to this place that feels really good around food. And that can make it feel like this isn't right for me. But there's that step, there's that developing that that connection and trust with with our body before it can we can be at the other end, I guess. For sure. And I think a lot of times stopping dieting to people is like, oh, okay, I can eat whatever I want, whenever I want. And that's super scary, right? And yeah. that might have to happen before it stops happening, right? I have no, none of these food rules. I can eat all of this. And then they go crazy and overeat and binge it all. Um, but it's, yeah. yeah, it's that transition from dieting to not dieting to becoming an intuitive eater because a non-dieter is still a lot different than an intuitive eater yeah yeah and this having something that's often really scary for people is this idea of having like full permission to eat as much and whenever we like 
And when we're coming from like a diet mindset, this place of dieting, that actually looks very, very different. So as you mentioned, just for someone not dieting compared to intuitive eating, this permission to eat whatever and whenever we want looks and feels very, very different to someone who's coming at that place as an intuitive eater. For sure. Yeah. And that's something I hear a lot, like, you know, from clients, it's like, oh, my husband, he must be an intuitive eater because he just eats this whenever he wants. And it's, mm-hmm. um, and it's not the case at all. It's like they're eating this, but they're not actually taking their health into consideration or how the foods are going to make them feel right. Um, allowing themselves to have like a box of cookie every night or something isn't intuitive. And it's not, it's not what we're getting at with intuitive eating when we say eat what you want, whenever you want at all, right. You stop to consider intuitive eating still about honoring your health and eating in ways that, you know, fuel your body so you can perform optimally and all those things. Yeah. Yeah. It's about considering a lot more things. Like we're not a slave, I guess, just to, to our body. Um, but at the same time, these maybe foods coming from a diet mindset, the foods that are, that we're craving a lot or are on our mind all the time, they're going to be probably less so on our mind or less so something we crave as often or we struggle to get satisfaction from um, at a comfortable place so we might end up in this maybe feeling out of control eating them into a uncomfortable level because we're struggling to find that satisfaction so as an intuitive eater we can get there earlier but we're still not just a slave to our body there's so many reasons we might say oh I'm really craving this particular food but dinner's in one hour and I actually really want to enjoy my dinner so I'm going to choose to have I mean maybe it's just a bit or I'm going to choose to have something that won't fill me up as much for sure for sure yeah what are if we imagine um well for a person who maybe comes to you or is seeking some support to Take those first steps in in rejecting dieting and in stopping dieting and they're maybe they're struggling to understand what it can feel like as an intuitive eater or how that could even be possible for them what are some of those first steps that you would um that you would recommend or that they could take I think even like just before even getting to the food part of like the overcoming diet culture is like rejecting a lot of um, those tools and like devices you're used to using, just getting those like out of your life. So for things like um, a lot of people who are dieting are constantly weighing themselves, right? So getting Mm -hmm. rid of scales because our weight is supposed to fluctuate on a day-to-day basis, right? And every every time you're hopping on the scale, you're hoping to see a lower number, at least a maintenance number, like you're going to get disappointed over and over again. And it's really easy to get back into those restrictive diet ways to try and lose weight again. So one is like getting rid of the scales. Um, That's also food scales too, right? Like most of us don't need food scales unless we weigh our foods for like recipes. But in terms of like counting your calories and weighing your food, like we said, it just disconnects you from your body. You're not able to actually listen to what your body needs. You're listening to a number. Um, and that goes for like calorie tracking apps as well. The same thing, right? Instead of listening to a number from a calculation you got, which really there's mm-hmm. no like gold standard calculation that can tell you what your body needs in every single day in every single given moment. So getting rid of things like that as well. Um, uh, even like smartwatches and Fitbit. So for me personally, so I wear one again now, but when I was working on healing my relationship with food and my body, I took a break from it. Um, and that's usually what I suggest to people to do because they're expensive. (laughs) 
they're not going to get rid of their watches. And they're also very useful for many things, right? Um, like say you're training for a marathon or something, you want to check your times or kilometers, stuff like that. But if you're someone who is so fixated on like closing your rings on your Apple watch or, you know, burning the right amount of calories every day or getting a certain amount of steps, then it's a good idea to take a break from that as well. So kind of getting rid of all those devices, um, Another thing is I always suggest people listening to like podcasts like this or curating their social media feed, right? Getting yeah. rid of accounts that promote that weight loss, that show those before and after, that promote diets and then follow more accounts like ours, like intuitive eating and anti-diet and weight inclusive. So those are a, kind of a lot of like initial steps before the food part even comes into place just to really help get that mindset shift started, I guess. Yeah. Definitely. Our world can be so surrounded with these diet messages. It's really hard to move away from that when we're still bombarded with that. So creating a bit of space for yourself that has that has some different messages in there. So then you can start to absorb some new messages and you can make more of a, a choice of what, what is best for you as well. When we've got these different messages. But I really loved when you you said that for you, your your Apple Watch or your your um, fitness watch was something that you, when you were going through the process of, of learning to um, stop dieting and to become an intuitive eater, you needed to separate from that. But now it's something that can come back in and be more supportive for you. And these tools, they're, they're sort of not black and white. They, a lot of the maybe things that we use, not all, but a lot of the tools that we do use for dieting can show up in a supportive way as long as we're in the right headspace and the intention is there. So another thing that stuck sure. out to me is a food scale. Maybe you like baking or following recipes and that's something that's helpful in that sense, but maybe you're mm -hmm. also using it to micromanage the, the food that you're eating and weighing your food. It's probably a good idea to then give that a break, uh, remove the For scales sure. that we're not tempted. And then when our, our mindset is, or when our tent intention is not to weigh things from a controlling place, but it's from a following a recipe so that it all works out and it's in proportion in the recipe. Um, and we're able to then choose how much of that recipe that we eat. We're not weighing that. Then maybe it can come back in and maybe that's supportive then. Exactly. And like, that's also something with food labels or nutrition facts labels, right? Like they can be a very useful tool, but when you're a diet or you have those disordered eating tendencies, you're not using it for the right purpose. You're using it to probably look at the calories, try and make sure it's low calorie and to look at the carbs, maybe the fat or something. You're trying to avoid those foods, right? Um, so that's another thing to take a break from, but also can be a useful tool, right? Because if you're, if you're going to compare something in the grocery store, um, say you're looking for granola bars and you want to get the higher fiber one or something like that. And you like the taste of both, like that's when they can come into play, right? You're deciding between two food items, taste-wise, you're equally like them both. You know, you would enjoy both and why not go for the one with more nutritional value in it, right? And that's when they can be a useful tool. But again, a break might be needed from even looking at those. Yep. Especially when we see that the, the biggest numbers are often things like the calories, the ones that jump out. And there's often also messaging on there that's maybe this is, you know, the healthier choice or only this many calories, uh, which we know those messages on, on packets don't actually make something a healthier choice because there's so many different reasons uh, why For we sure. might choose a different food. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wanted to share 
with listeners who might be at that place where they're wanting to start moving away from dieting? I think just do it. <laughs> Don't think about it. I have a lot of people that when yeah. they start working with me, for example, it's like, yeah, I've been following you for like almost a year, considering it for almost a year. Right. And people are like, oh, why didn't I start this sooner? Cause it like, really, it is such a life-changing transformation to go from dieting to intuitive eating. And I did that myself. And that's why I do this work now. Cause I'm so passionate about it because it freed up so much of my life and it made me a healthier person overall. So if you're thinking of doing it, do it. Um, either whether it's, you actually want to work with a dietitian, you want to just, you know, buy the book and start reading it. You want to do a free training, a course, do something to get started. And if you are falling back into the diet ways often, then I definitely recommend getting support with it along the way. Yeah. That's such great advice just to, to do it, but also like to do something you're not expected to just be able to on your own when you first hear of maybe intuitive eating or non-diet approaches to just say, okay, I'm not dieting anymore. We're surrounded by these messages. These thoughts are so strong in our head that we need to maybe lose weight or we need to eat a certain way because that's what we've been surrounded by for so long. But just taking those small steps, as you said, like reading a book, following accounts that are more supportive, following diverse people, all of these things to start planting new seeds and thoughts in our brain is what's going to, mm-hmm. to in the end get us there. And then there's there might be a time or there probably will be a time that you feel maybe ready to dive deeper into it, um, to to put in some more work to maybe take the next steps, but really just just getting started with these small things, as you said. Um exactly. Maybe it's yourself saying, okay, I'm not gonna weigh myself and I'm gonna see how that feels, or as you said, like read a book and um, and yeah, fully, fully different accounts that are helpful for sure. And like just baby steps, right? Because to an extent too, we all, we all are born intuitive eaters to an extent, right? Yeah. Um, and it's just something we unlearn as we age through diet culture. So it's something we can all get back to. And, you know, for some, it may be harder than others, depending out on how much, how far deep into diet culture you are. Um, but it's definitely worth it <laughs> to give it a try and just start taking the small baby steps to get there. Yeah, definitely. And as well, intuitive eating looks different for, for different people. I often, people might say, oh, but I'm really worried about how it shot for me because maybe my lifestyle is, is really busy. And I just think if I was relying on my hunger cues, even if I'm more connected with my body, I wouldn't remember to eat or, um, I guess things that make it different for them. And I always say it's intuitive eating isn't about having no structure at all. It's the intention yeah, exactly. behind the structure. If that's something that we want, we don't have to have that. If that's something we want, it's the intention behind it. And the structure is there to make sure we get enough, not as, not as a rule. Yeah. And actually I was talking about that the other day on my Instagram too, because um, I was saying how, especially in the beginning of intuitive eating, you do need to be, you do need to be a bit more intentional and have structure. And yeah. like, like you said, people have a busy lifestyle, so um, they might not, like you said, be able to rely on hunger and fullness cues like they would be if they weren't so busy. So to continue to have some structure to honor your health and, you know, to make sure you're feeling your body isn't diety at all like that, like that can for sure be intuitive eating. Yeah. Yeah. And that's maybe another example of when, when a tool is used in a diet way or when it's used in a more supportive way. So maybe some kind of structure around food or what we might see as like a meal plan. If that's coming from a place of this is 
because you can't be trusted around food and it's to make sure that you're to control your body to make sure your body doesn't get too big or something like that that's control over our body whereas when it's coming from it this is a bit of structure to help you maybe navigate a time when you're not yet connected with your hunger or a busy day and food is likely to get kind of missed or forgotten um then that's supportive it's not a rule it's not that you can't have more if you feel like more uh, but that's when it can be helpful to to check in with our attention behind different tools that we're using Exactly. And like yeah, diets, diets don't own those healthy behaviors, right? Like we're still engaging in healthy behaviors with intuitive eating, just a very different intention behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And it can take some practice and trial and error as well to see what, what does work. Maybe it's letting go of structure for a while. And for a lot of people, we don't want this kind of structure. Maybe it's just kind of this general, we get into a habit of eating a certain way maybe our days are really different and we just don't need that, that structure, but sometimes it can be a bit of trial and error as well, trying different things, seeing what, what really sits and what works. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like some people it's, you're adding structure and some people you're taking away. Cause right. Some people you get who have come like from following a macro plan where they need to eat this time every day, this much, maybe we remove the structure. Whereas other people come, they're like, I eat breakfast and I don't eat again till 6 PM. Okay. Maybe we need to add some structure. So it's really different for everyone. Yeah, I do agree. And that's maybe most of the time we're looking at kind of doing the opposite initially. So as you mentioned, like with your, your fitness watch, it's like having to remove it completely to be able to, to develop a good relationship with it and to check in with the intentions for it. That can be the same with structure. Someone who has had no structure at all, it can be maybe everyone's a bit different, but maybe more supportive to have a little bit of structure to help guide them but if someone's come from having a lot of structure um, from a diet place maybe it's helpful to kind of let go of that and see how that feels as well um checking in that they're still able to nourish their body in that way yeah exactly yeah oh i'm sure this has been really helpful for our listeners and some really really helpful tips in there as well um if listeners want to reach out and learn a bit more from you where can they find you uh, definitely go find me on Instagram. That's where I am most often. So my Instagram is at dietitian.krista. So my professional title, dietitian.mynamechrista. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm most often. You'll probably find more tips like these that I've talked about or information like this, diet myths, intuitive eating tips and tricks, all that stuff. Um, and you can find my website, uh, www.dietitianchrista.com. If you want to check out more there, I have a blog, um, my services, whatever you want to check out there. Lovely. And I'll make sure that we include that on the show notes as well so that people can expand their kind of toolkit and their their, um, different kind of things that they're hearing about food and for sure to to help move away from diet culture. Definitely. Thanks so much. Thanks, Krista. Thanks for having me. It's been so lovely to share this episode with you today. I would love for you to visit today's guest with the links they shared And for more support and information, including articles, free resources, online courses, and individualized support, you can visit my home on the internet at foodlifefreedom.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and review on the podcast platform you use. And feel free to use the three dot symbol to share with anyone who may find this episode helpful. If you have a question or topic you would love to have covered on the podcast, I would love to hear from you.